I want to talk a little bit this morning about what happens when God shows up. What, what, what happens when, when we have these God encounters? What's the, the, the fallout? The way that we process those amazing moments, those, those important life-enhancing moments when God shows up. As a kid growing up, there were, there were some times that I just loved in the calendar year. I loved when youth convention was on. I loved when summer camp was on. I loved when we had special retreats because those were like the mountaintop experiences. Those were fabulous. But then I didn't really know what to do with them after I went home. And, and so you went from the mountaintop and you sort of lived for a while in the valley or the ditch. And, and, and didn't know how to process it. And, and so I want to talk about what we do with the fallout of what happens when God speaks to us. Uh, allow me to make a few statements about God and the times in which we live in right now. I believe with all my heart that God has important, has significant things to say to his people in these days. The, the, the difficulty is not God being silent. The, the difficulty is that in our busyness, with all the distractions that are pulling on us for our time and attention, the problem is, is that he has difficulty getting us to pay attention to him. But he wants to speak to us. I believe that we are in some of the most important and some of the most exciting times in the entire history of the world. Really? Oh. Some fatalists in the crowd, I see. I, I grew up wishing that I could be in my grandfather's day when, when he, I, I would sit at his knee and he would talk to me about revivals that he had experienced. Oh, I, I want to, but I don't, I, I love when I live right now because this is the day where God says, this is what I will do in this time. I will pour out my spirit on everybody and I will cause your sons and your daughters to prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God and the Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. These are exciting days. I wouldn't want to be alive any other time. I believe that God is a God of process and purpose. That when he shows up, it's, it's for a purpose. I, I have friends who call me up and say, hey, listen, Bill, I, I want to drop around. Are you in the office? Are you at home? Can I, can I drop around? And I said, sure. What, what, what's the agenda? I, I don't like being blindsided. I like to know why they're coming to my house. Is it just to eat me out of house and home, or is it, do they, you know, they got a gift, or what, what, what's, what's the agenda? And quite often they'll say to me, I just want to hang. You could hang at home, but okay. I, I just want to hang. I, I'm bored. I want you to entertain me with stories and experiences. There, there, there's no purpose to the hang. It's just they, they're, they're wanting to fill time, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, but God loves you, God loves me, God loves spending time with us, but when he shows up, he has a purpose. It, when he speaks, when he reveals himself to us, there's a purpose and there's a process. There, there's a lot of things that have to work and grind themselves through our inner processes to get us to where he wants us to go. He has purpose and he has process.
As Jesus is leaving to go back to the Father, he gathers his disciples around and he speaks to them and he gives them some insight into what's going to happen in the next few days. He says, listen, I want you to go to the place of prayer and I want you to stay there. I don't want you to go anywhere else. Just stay in prayer until the Holy Spirit, until the Holy Spirit shows up. He didn't explain what that would look like. He didn't say it's going to be like just an amazing time. There's going to be fire sitting on your heads. There's going to be wind blowing through the place. You're going to speak languages that you've never learned before. He, he doesn't say any of that. Jesus does tell them what the purpose is. At the end of it all, you will be clothed with supernatural power. You will, you will be clothed with the power of God because you have a new purpose. You will be my messengers. You will be my ambassadors to a desperate, needy world. You will go everywhere, even to the most remote corners of the world, and not as a bungling, little, tattered team of individuals, but as empowered representatives of heaven. You will receive power to be my messengers. God shows up, God speaks, and we process what has happened to us so that we can move into his purpose in the advancement of the kingdom. Last weekend had purpose. I could almost open the Bible anywhere and take out a lesson on the processes of God. I've chosen a passage in the book of Acts. I know that surprises you. It's my favorite book, and we end up there quite often. But chapter 10 is where we're going. I'm reading out of the Passion Version just because I love the colorful way that the story is told. Israel at that time is an occupied territory. Rome is the world's superpower of that time. Roman soldiers are not the most beloved people within the nation, but they're definitely part of the landscape. Everywhere you go, you see Rome represented by its soldiers. There's a profile of what a Roman soldier is like. And like every bias, like every prejudice, it, it doesn't stand up. It doesn't reflect accurately for everyone. There's an officer who's in charge of a hundred men in the seaside town of Caesarea. And he's not the stereotype you'd expect. Instead of being a heartless, lawless, appetite-driven commandant who, who had no concern for the people he ruled over, the Bible says he was a man of faith. The Bible says that he was devout. The, the, the text says that he was a man of extraordinary character who worshiped God and prayed regularly together with his family. I love, I love when I go out of this house and come to where you work or where you live and people say, hey, uh, and, and you introduce me as your pastor and people say, hey, these people are outstanding. You have some quality people there. You, I love when they tell me that you are kind and that you're integral and that you are men and women of character. I love when the people of this house live, live lives and make neighbors and co-workers jealous of the relationship that they have with God and how it touches and changes your family. I love all of that. The text goes on to say that he, this Roman leader, this Roman 
overseer had a compassionate heart for the poor. That he was generous in the treatment of people that he came across that were in need. In all of Israel, and especially in the eyes of Israel, this man is the last man in the country that they would expect would have a God encounter. He doesn't have Jewish roots. He didn't observe Jewish law. He wasn't one of God's special and chosen people. He was part of a system that was suppressing Israel. As you flip through the scripture, you find that God often passes up more likely candidates, people who would be chosen by someone who's looking at a crowd. Samuel was absolutely stunned and surprised when he went to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel, and the first son, the oldest son, came, and he, he was tall, he was handsome, he carried a kingly kind of carriage in his, in his life, and, and Samuel's got the oil bottle out and says, this is the one, right, God? And God says, no, this isn't the one. And they went through the whole family until he says, Jesse, you must have another son because God doesn't want any of these. Well, yeah, we, we have one, but he's just small and he's out in the field and we, to tell you the truth, just about forgot about him. But God was looking for a special kind of heart. Moses was not the most likely candidate to lead Israel out of Egypt. He's a fugitive from justice, having had murdered an Egyptian and having been in hiding for decades. No one was more surprised than Gideon to hear the angels say that God had determined him to be the mighty man of valor. Mary was surprised to be chosen as the mother of Messiah, and Paul self-described himself as a chief of sinner and in no way qualified to carry the message of Christ to his generation. Sometimes we're surprised by the people that God chooses. And it's my delight to tell you this morning that you have been chosen by God for His purpose. It may not make sense to you, and that doesn't matter. It may not be reasonable to you, but the fact of the matter is God has chosen you. He knows everything that there is to know about you. He knows where you are. He knows what you are. In His amazing wisdom, He has chosen you and encountered you, and the encounter is for a purpose, and it involves a process. The word amen means, as you have said, let it be unto me. And I'm going to say it again, and when I'm finished it, I, I want you to say aloud amen. Whether you believe it or not, that's irrelevant to me, I don't care. You have been chosen by God to serve him at this time, in this place, and for his purpose. Yes. Good. Some of you even said it with conviction, thank you very much. Verse 3, one afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had an open vision and saw the angel of God appear right in front of him and calling out his name, Cornelius. Startled, he was overcome with fear by the sight of the angel and he asked, what do you want, Lord? A an open vision is like you sitting 
in your living room looking at a big screen in front of you and you see the messenger, you, you hear the message that comes from the heart of God and you recognize that you are involved. You're part of the action. You're, you're playing a part in the plan that's being launched. It, it, it's not a thought that you have in your head. It's not a feeling that you have deep down inside. It's something that you see. It's, it's open. And it awakens every sense and every imagination. And the angel calls him by name. And the response is understandable. He's, he's, he's startled. He's overcome with fear at the sight of an angel that he hadn't expected to encounter. And the importance of the meaning of this meeting. And the question is plain and it's stated out loud. What is it that you want from me, Lord God of heaven? It should always catch us by surprise that the God of heaven loves us so much that he knows who we are, he knows where we are, he knows our name, and he desires to speak to us, to incorporate us into his history-altering plan. David says that such knowledge is so wonderful I can't hardly comprehend it. It should also always be our posture, our expectation, That when we hear the word of the Lord for our lives and for our times, we respond with this response. What is it that you want of me, Lord God of heaven? I know that you're much more spiritual than I am, but I've I've had God speak to me and I've said, well, like, could we put that off for a little while? I'm pretty busy here, God. Could, could Could we wait a little bit? Because, you know, well, this godly man says, what is it that you want of me? I'm I'm really ready to respond. The same God who spoke to Moses, to David, to Paul, and to Cornelius is the same God that desires to speak to you today. It's the same God that desires to speak to me, to us. The next thing that I want you to hear is that it does not matter it that it does matter how you live your life. Y- yes, God pursues us. Yes, it's God's priority to speak to us. Yes, he wants us to partner with him, but at some point in time, sooner or later, sooner is always better than later, there has to be a desire, there has to be a plan, there has to be a decision in our hearts to live in such a way that we, that we please and honor God by the way that we live, act, and react. The, the Roman officer had responsibility to the Rome the Roman government and the leadership of the occupying army. But at the, su- at the same time, in, in some moment in time, he sat down and he decided, I want to please God by the way I live. At, at some point, he said, I want to serve God. I want God to look at me and on, at my conduct. And I want the smile of his blessing and approval on my life. At some point in time, he decided what that looked like, and he actually did it. He, he didn't talk about it. He didn't think about it. He decided, and he did it. He, he decided that he would be a man of prayer. He, he decided that he would help anywhere, anyone that God brought across his path. L- listen to this. 
The messenger said to Cornelius, all of your prayers have been heard. Cornelius, your love, your generosity to the poor has not gone unnoticed. Your life has been a pleasing offering before God. It matters how you live. It it matters how we respond, how we conduct our lives. Jesus said that if you love me, the fruit of that love is always obedience. You'll keep my commandments. You'll obey my instruction. You will live in a way that pleases, that honors me, that reflects who I am. That lifestyle ended up being impressive to God. And to the next level of engagement that heaven had and to reach beyond the Jewish nation and start to touch the Gentiles for the very first time. Through that that meeting, through that encounter that happened, there was something brand new launched in the church of Jesus Christ. Cornelius... I want you to take some of your trusted men and I want you to send them to Joppa and I want you to tell them to look there for a man named Simon the Rock. Here's his address. It's a, it's a house by the sea. Go to him. There, there's no sense of what will happen in this act of obedience. There's no sense of any grand and glorious promise. There's no sense of what God will do through this one called Simon the Rock. There's just an instruction. This is who I want you to send your trusted servants to. Simon the Rock who lives by the sea. The whole plan settled on this one point. Obedience. Will you trust me? When when, when we come to the offering, it's do I trust God with what I have? Obedience. Will you trust me? Will you do as I've asked? Will you engage the gears of relationship to start this plan that will bring Gentiles into the plans and purposes of God? Hear me, church. Every time we obey God, God opens up his hand and releases life to us. Every time we we obey God, he, he opens up and releases promise. Every time we obey God, there comes some kind of release from heaven. Whether it's while we're worshiping and we lift up our hands or, or when we're baptized in water or, or when we come to giving. Whenever we, wor- whenever we honor and obey the Lord, there's a release, there's an opening. And every time we disobey, every time we sort of pretend we didn't hear or don't know, something dies inside of us. Something closes. Church, hear this, please. The plan that God has for you, the plan that he has for me and for our church is bigger than anything we could understand. It's always bigger than what we understand. Dwight L. Moody, the great evangelist of yesteryear, has this quote attributed to him. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated and sold out to him. By God's help, I plan to be that man. 
On the outside, no one would have ever understood the significance of, of that God encounter that took place in, in the home of Cornelius between him and the messenger sent by God. No one understood or foresaw the, the wide impact that this revelation between God and Cornelius had. We gather today in this place partially because of that encounter. We, we are part of the family of God because part of that grand worldwide life-changing history-altering plan and purpose of God because of this amazing encounter and because Cornelius responded in obedience. No one knows. No one knows what will happen as a result of the things that took place last weekend. No one knows or understands what God is doing in this place right now and what the fruit of that will be, what the impact will be. No one but God knows. Verse 7, after the angel left, Cornelius called for two of his servants and, and a trusted godly soldier who was his personal attache. And he explained to them everything that had just happened and then he sent them off to Joppa. Without hesitation, without question, Cornelius jumped to do what he had been instructed to do. Everything that was required occurred immediately. He, he gathered his most trusted soldiers, godly men as well, who, who understood what it was to walk with God, and he told them about the encounter, and he sent them off with all of the information that he had. Find the man named Simon the Rock. What did God say to you last weekend? What did God show you? What did you understand in a brand new way? Maybe for the very first time. What did you understand? I always think that it's good to write it down. I'm getting to that age where I walk into a room and then stand there for a while and try to figure out why I'm there. I, I need to write it down. I write it down so that I can go to it again and again and read it over and over. I, I, I write it down so that every time I pray, I ask God, what is it that you want me to do with this? Wh wh where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? When I position my heart that way, he always speaks. He always shows me what to do. And that's the start of the process. Usually he, he puts something in my heart and it causes me to say, boy, I've, I've never thought of it that way. I've never seen it that way. I, I don't know what to do with that. And it drives me into the word. God, show me. It, it, it drives me to prayer. Not only to say, God, show me, but then to create time, to create space for God to speak to me. I was so glad there was about three or four people who, who after last weekend, they just decided, I'm going to take a day off and I'm just going to be quiet. Maybe there were more, but that's what I heard. Three or four people who just said, I'm going to be quiet 
And, I, and I'm just going to process what happened to me this weekend. Let God work you through the process. Watch for what He brings into your life. Watch who He brings into your life. Look for partnerships that seem to be directed of God. Look for patterns that He introduces into your world. As I read through my writings, I see, boy, he said this at such a time, and he did this at such a time. Boy, there's a pattern that's happening here. God, help me to understand what to do with the pattern. Be aware. Be aware that the enemy of your soul knows how to encounter and will do anything, knows the significance of an encounter and will do anything and everything he can to help you from, or to keep you from reaching success with God. Some of you will say that this has been a challenging week since last... How many would say this has been a challenging week since last weekend? I want you to know that every system in our house that could break down, broke down. We got home Sunday, there was no heat. Got the furnace man to come in, he fixed it. Took quite a bit of our money and left. Next day, didn't work again. Came back and I wouldn't give him any money. Then two days later, all the water froze up. And a man come, look, jiggle some wires, and he took a lot of money. Then he said, listen, uh, you need to go to the UFA farm store, and you need to get this and that and that. So I gave a lot of money away. Had a big truck deliver some water. She took a lot of money away. Every distraction, every distur disturbance comes to make us wonder what in the world is going on. Every attempt to discourage and push us back to square one, push us back to a place where we question the power of God and the certainty of our call. But, but, I make this declaration here today as I've made it every day this week. As for me and my house, the decision has been made. We'll serve the Lord. You can try to steal from me, but the Lord will look after me. I make this declaration. We are not dissuaded. We are not depressed. We are not discouraged. We are not disgusted or disturbed. We will set our face toward the will of God like flint, and we will not be moved. Trust God. Obey God. Keep moving forward. There will be a word that he gives to you out of the scriptures as you, as you dive into the scriptures. Mine has been this. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. Though you walk through the fire, it will not burn you. Though you are overwhelmed by the flood, you will not be drowned. For I am the Lord God of heaven. I am the Lord your God. And every time someone walked out of the door with my money... Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine.
process the fallout. Don't avoid it. Don't, don't shelve the results of your experience and think, well, someday I'll deal with it. Full-on move in and process the fallout. God is the God of relationship. God is the God of encounter. It's why we come to communion this morning. This, this is not a ritual. This is not a ceremony. This is, this is an encounter. This, it's a reminder to us of the love and the power of God made available to us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Hear this. The kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, physical obedience brings spiritual release. Every time. Every time. This, this morning, it's an encounter. It's a reminder to us of the love, the, the power of God made available to us. It's, it's a powerful point of contact and release as, as we obey his command. Do this, this communion in remembrance of me. Obedience always brings us to life. Promise and the release of life.